Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Good morning, and this is Spiritual Intelligence at Lions Radio Network. This is Spirituality Grounded in Reality. I'm your host, Ima Sumac-Watkins, and it is a beautiful Saturday morning here in Los Angeles. I want to say hello to all all across the globe, all the people who've sent me their messages saying that they've been listening. Hello to everybody. Thank you and welcome back to our show. We have a really great guest today, Damon D'Amour, and I'll just start off by saying that Damon is very is multi-talented, but uh, Damon began his career in global finance building, uh, inter, uh, excuse me, global finance building and internal technology platforms and trading bond and derivative products for the market-leading firm Cantor Fitzgerald. He is a serial entrepreneur, founder, board member, and advisor to multiple international startups and growth stage firms. Um, prior to his work uh, in startups and venture capital, Damon enjoyed long careers in media and entertainment sectors, managing large branded marketing initiatives and producing some of the highest rated television programs, Undercover Boss and Apprentice to, as for few. And then currently, Damon is specializing in legal, uh, excuse me, legacy coaching. And I'm going to stop right there because I want him to, you know, uh, inform us about what this is and give us a little bit more insight as to what it is and what he does. Uh, so welcome to the show, Damon. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we'll, we'll start off by, first of all, tell us what is le- legacy coaching and legacy, you know, mentoring. Sure. Um, I've worked with uh, hundreds of uh, CEOs and founders of all, all size companies. And the trend that I saw over the past decade, getting to know them at each stage of their career is a lot of times when they have their exit or a big retirement package, they take a vacation for a year, which is what they think they're supposed to do. Um, they earned it and then, which they did, but then they come home and they emotionally crash because they have no purpose, no identity outside of being a founder or a CEO They're used to being in charge of a whole organization of people to execute their visions, and now they're all on their own. Um, And they have a really hard time getting buy-in or advocacy from stakeholders for whatever they want to do next. So whether it's write a book, start a charity, et cetera, I help uh, these founders and CEOs that are three to five years out from their liquidity event or retirement use the full force and weight of their companies and their brand awareness to start building advocacy. So sometimes that means getting people to public speak, getting them to write, getting them to be more involved in philanthropy and at the board level in charities, whatever it might be. But it's a lot easier for them when they retire to say, oh, I'm very passionate about XYZ. I want your help, as opposed to waiting a couple of years and then going back to their network who hasn't really heard from them. And they figure that these people are just like board rich executives who are trying to give back, um, which is great, but doesn't really give any point of difference. Um, as opposed to being able to show a pattern over years of, you know, uh, engagement, uh, work, 
uh, lending their, their personal and professional brands behind these causes. So that's basically what legacy coaching is. And it's about 20% of my business. The other 80% is uh, either traditional business coaching for fast growth companies and startups that are venture funded or personal development and a lot of uh, head shrink type stuff for uh, C-suite uh-huh. executives that are way, later on in their career. So, uh-huh. so, so you so you go from uh, taking someone who wants to be an entrepreneur to on uh, to people who are already in business and who are needing to take steps or growth or in or in transition. So you covered you cover it all all the way into retiring and what do you do with your retirement and take everything that you've done and create something that is a, a legacy at the end. So you go from beginning to end. Yeah, I have I have a handful of clients that I carve time out for every year that I call aspirational folks that want to be entrepreneurs, and they're they're not my traditional client, but I, I do work with them because I, I really enjoy it. But even the entrepreneurs that I work with, they've already raised at least an A round, so they're seasoned entrepreneurs in the sense that they could be somebody to give them at least $5 million in a single round, uh, but then they <laughs> struggle with issues of growth, um, issues of ego, identity, how do you delegate, what do you let go, what don't you let go, <clears throat> how do you deal with an institutional investor versus some wealthy dentist you raised a bunch of money for two years ago to test out your idea, like, you know, how do you really build an organizational structure and uh, execute, so, uh, on, like, an institutional investor level, so, yeah, it's challenging, uh, and I love it because I've done it, um, and it kind of bridges the gap between what I like doing with startups that are super exciting and older uh, legacy businesses and folks who are very good at what they do, and they don't need me for business coaching. They need me for the personal development side of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, tell me a little bit more about that, about the personal development side of it, of people who are already in it. Tell me about that. Sure. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. As uh, these executives or entrepreneurs get farther and farther down the, the timeline of their career towards an exit, uh, they experience a number of, challenges that to most most people wouldn't think that it's possible but you know imposter syndrome we talked about this is one of them the bigger that you get the more you have to lose you're afraid that somebody's going to wake up one day and realize you have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> that you're yeah um <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It happens really 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 big folks um a lot of it is building and sustaining habits uh time management and productivity is a small part of it but uh mindset building resilience uh, you, I talked about this uh, in the first speech that I gave at Toastmasters when we were there, it, considering resilience to be a lifestyle and a mindset, not just something that happens one-off when you recover from a horrible event. So it's all about mindset, building resilience. I do a lot about storytelling, taking the raw data from their career or from their personal story that they might think is not interesting or relevant to other parts of life and creating a true narrative from my old filmmaking in Hollywood days so that Mm -hmm. they can go out into the world and either tell a long form story, give a speech about it. Or if they're in an elevator with someone and they say, what do you do? Why do you matter? Boom, boom, boom. This is what I do and why I matter. I might be a VP of marketing for a media company like 7,000 other people, but this is why I am unique. So that's a lot of it. And also a lot of it is building personal accountability. They have accountability to their stakeholders, their, sh- their shareholders, their board, their employees. Mm-hmm. But a lot of folks at, in those positions where they're able to let go and kind of slack is accountability mm-hmm. to themselves. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of it is, is, is having them first be accountable, <clears throat> excuse me, to me, 
and then building systems so that they are accountable to themselves and they can track themselves. And when they fall off, like we all do, knowing that they can get right back on because there's an actual system that's been built for their personality type in order to be successful, not trying to read a book or watch a video and trying to fit into somebody else's system. Yeah, I I really like what you just said because everyone comes into a point where they've, they feel that they're not challenged anymore and they don't know what, where to go or how to do. And they, they start to fall off, as you say, and they don't know where to go from there. And it's good that they have something in place. So I really agree with you. It, it needs to happen just as a human uh, people who are usually who move and who are in that big place of, of success. Once they, they have to continue. It's like this, they have to keep evolving. And I totally agree about having something in place for them. So tell me, how did you come about this? How, do you, how did you come about being this coaching and legacy and all of this of what you're doing right now? Because you have an extensive background in business and entrepreneurship and, um, you know, filmmaking and entertainment. I mean, you've got quite a lot of experience here. Tell me, how did you get here? Yeah, I've, I've done a lot in my uh, what I like to hope is a short time here so far. Hopefully, I've got a lot long left. <laughs> but oh, absolutely. Um, every, every, <laughs> every time that I go into a new industry or a new area of life or work, I try to go really, really deep. So, uh, I'm, it's all about connecting the dots. I wrote an article for a blog called TheSelfEmployed.com about connecting the dots in your career, where at the time where you might be miserable and think that this specific job has no application anywhere else in life, there's actually something that you're doing that's going to be applicable down the road, whether or not you know it at the time. So Mm -hmm. when I was on Wall Street and I got fed up and I left uh, for a whole number of reasons, when I went to entertainment, I learned the business, worked for a top company, started producing so that when I went to go raise money for my Wall Street pals, who I knew had uh, discretionary income, I could do that. And then through a period of entertainment and filmmaking and a reality television, as you mentioned with the apprentice undercover boss, because I was a guy who wasn't just from Hollywood, who was comfortable in the C-suite with fortune 500 CEOs dealing with them. I took those relationships from the entertainment side and then decided when I wanted to build a business, I used my wall street pals for financing my C-suite, guys and gals that I knew for advocacy and support and then built uh, a number of companies, some successful, some horrendous failures, but that's how it goes. And basically through a series of personal ups and downs, marriages, divorces, companies going, companies falling, I was approached in 2016 by a CEO that I have a lot of respect for who asked me to help coach him on something. And I thought coaching was kind of BS because a lot of the coaches that I met, it, they were in one industry for their life. Something horrible happened, like a layoff or a sickness. And then they came back and said, I want to help people. I want to be a coach. I'm going to go learn some coaching system, which is fine. It's a good motivation, but that's usually good for the bell curve of coaching uh, students who might be in the mid ranks of corporate life. But the folks that I dealt with on the C-suite level, they think differently on a strategic level, not just in business, but in life. There's different filters that they use for even simple traditional challenges. And after I worked with this person, I enjoyed it. And I didn't think I'd do it again, but I kept getting referred. 
And by the time I looked up six months later, I had 14 coaching clients. And a friend of mine who's a successful coach said, dude, you're a coach. Whether or not you want to call yourself that, it's literally what you do. Um, and people love you and they love working with you. And they don't just pay you because it's charity. They pay you because you're good at it. So then I decided, okay, if I'm going to really do this like I did everything else in my life and go all in, it needs to be unique. It needs to serve a higher purpose, not just creating profit and revenue, but helping these people on an individual level to not fall into the traps that I saw from the folks that I knew. And I decided to build a curriculum. So I stopped coaching hourly or weekly or monthly. Everything was three, six, 12 month contracts. You had to have a specific goal in mind, or we had to agree on one before we started. If you wanted me to just call you every week and say, what's going on? What's your challenge? Like a business therapist, I would not work with you. I think that's great, but it's not what I do. And through the last two years, I started speaking more about it. My clients ranged from $8 billion revenue companies to a startup that's, you know, raised $100,000 in friends and family and trying to raise venture to, uh, you know, it's, it's been a wild ride, but the whole time, whenever the challenge was in front of me, I went back to my whole history, Wall Street, entertainment, producing, marketing, gaming, whatever it might be, and said, what were lessons that I learned there, experiences I had that could help these people look at their current challenges through a different lens? So I don't know if you're on my weekly newsletter that I do with my reading list, but I have literally artists, poets email me and say, oh, my God, I read three excuse me, blog posts that you sent about personal performance, identity, ego, pain, regret, and they were written by Wall Street guys, but they totally apply to what I'm doing as a poet or a writer or a painter. And it's amazing to me. So uh, I've been successful in my definition, which might not be other folks' definition, but I've been successful in life because I'm always willing to go back and find some silver lining or value to what I did. Even when I was you know, working in a no-window call center on Ventura Boulevard at the lowest point, you know, I was learning to <laughs> – I was, I was literally learning to do an elevator pitch because I was in a call center asking people to donate money to, to a charity. And I was learning five years later I would do this, but the on an investor call, cold call, this is what I'm doing. I have 30 seconds to convince you to talk to me more and give me money. So at the time when I was absolutely miserable, I was learning an important skill set that would help me later on go raise millions of dollars from folks all over the world at big companies. And, uh, you know, you need to be able to look back and see things through a different lens. You need to be able to go back through sense memory and visualization and remember how you saw it at the time. And that, that you need to take those notes, take those takeaways, and then be in present day as your present self with all those experiences since then and your growth, and then see if there a different lens and you need to build a bridge from the earlier memory to today, what you need from it. And that, that bridge is where all the value in your life is but most folks either don't want to look back because it's painful or they think that there's no value, but you need to go deep and do the work. Otherwise you're just wasting all that experience and pain and not taking anything positive from it. I agreed. Agreed. Now, how did you come out? Cause I know in, uh, when I heard you speak that morning at early seven o'clock morning, you talked about, <laughs> <laughs> losing, all right? You've lost a couple of business and you've built yourself back up. And touch on that, Damon, because there's a lot of people out there who are really wanting to move and, and you know, get motivated or try to try something new. So tell, tell us, what did you do and what got you to, you know, take another step into doing something else? Because you mentioned you were at a call center and I bet you it was on Wilshire Boulevard. 
was, it was on Ventura in the Valley. It was even hotter out okay. there. It was, you know, you're <laughs> locked in a room. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's funny. I was talking to somebody last night I used to work with on Apprentice. We went and got drinks, and it's been 15 years since we worked together, but they're a screenwriter now, and they had some success, shows on TV, and now they haven't for the last few years, and they're struggling, but they still wake up every day and write because – there's something deep down besides just the, the money or the glory of writing that motivates them. And that's what you have to have. You know, I have a lot of demons in my past that motivate me to never want to slip back to or be, or be in a situation that I was when I was growing up, when I was in certain stages of my life. So I'm a big like, survivor, fighter. People, I have a speech I gave. People always told me I was resilient. I didn't know what that meant until I actually had to exercise resilience went over, you know, a six-week period. I lost funding for my company, fired everybody, shut the company down, and my wife left. And it's like, you need to really, what are you going to do? You're going to just stop living? No, you got to figure stuff out. So um, I have my own framework for what I filter ideas or challenges or future paths of my life through. And if it's something that I can garner enough motivation from these demons or monsters or whatever you want to call it, whatever I'm running from, then I do it. So I would wake up every day for three years and say to myself, there needs to be a different mechanism for people who have ideas for products to get to market that have no skill sets. And it was like my passion. I was a crazy lunatic about it. And ultimately it led me to, you know, go deliver pizza, <clears throat> sell my car, do all kinds of crazy things until I was able to raise money. <clears throat> but that passion, believing that that I needed to do something, it was what sustained me. So just wanting to do something is not enough. It needs to be a drive that even when you look at yourself, you might think it's completely crazy what you're doing. Other people definitely mm -hmm. will, but there, there needs to be a borderline irrational belief in yourself. You know, one of my favorite venture capitalists, uh, Don Valentine has a quote and he said, nobody ever accused him of underestimating himself. So you know, you have to believe that you are worthy of whatever rewards and treasure and bliss you're going after. You have to believe that you have the ability, capacity to do what's necessary, do the work, learn, whatever it might be. But, yeah, I mean, if folks are not motivated to do something fully, I always tell people that I meet that say that, that's great. That means you shouldn't be doing it. Why don't you just relax until you have some other idea? When you come across an idea or a passion that is truly a passion, go execute it. Like, don't waste people's time for the next 12 to 18 months trying to do something you're not 100% bought in for emotionally. So you need to have that emotional spark, and something really needs to be – you need to be terrified of failing because it's, nobody's ever going to have the value and benefit of your idea come to life, and it pushes you to do all kinds of crazy things. I drove through the night through cornfields in Iowa to make a meeting because my flight got canceled. And I was already told before I got to the meeting that these people were not going to give me money, but that wasn't good enough for me. So I rented a car, drove through the night, got there, no sleep. And through this pitch and through this passion and through this commitment, I walked out of there with a check that I needed. Uh, and most people would say, ah, just give up or go back or do whatever. It's like, no. You know, if, you, if you knew what I knew in my head of like what the alternative is, then you would never – even consider that. So you have to be motivated enough to be terrified of failing. The, 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 the price of failure has to be much worse and much more extreme than the price of success. Now, and thank you for that because absolutely it's like you will be successful 
because it's really what you what you do that and then no one else does you know it's like how far will you go so absolutely and i like i like what you just said now um but, 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 I'm sorry, but also conversely i'm going to fail yeah. a lot because i'm willing to go farther and take more risks so you you have to be up for that like you have to know there's both sides of the coin so yeah. like i know yeah. i know i'm going to fail at coaching initiatives i might fail at programs i might get on stage and, and totally mess it up but those failures are ultimately going to yield some treasure that I can go build on. Right. So, so then you, what you do is that no matter what, you're going to learn from it. And I, that's the mindset. Yep, exactly. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's getting up there and as, as what you're saying to me, what I've taken from you is that no matter what you will do it because there isn't a failure. There's always just a, just, just more to learn and more to take away. Correct. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're still breathing. Like I had somebody once after I, I crushed a business and I was terrified of what's next, and they said, "You're not going to be homeless. You can always sleep on one of your friends' couches. They love you, and you're not going to starve. Somebody will make you one meal a day." So, if you're living and breathing and have a roof over your head and food in your stomach, what are you going to do? And that's you know, <laughs> it makes everything really simply. And it's like, oh, I'm not worried about investors or technology or I don't have a college degree or I didn't go to Harvard or whatever it might be. It's like, no, like I have everything I need in order to have no excuses to not succeed. But you keep going. It. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. You just keep going. There's no, if you, oh, one of my, I read a book on trauma by a former veteran, by a veteran, a former Marine special operator and his hashtag, his motto is always forward. You know, he was one of these big, strong guys, did a whole bunch of crazy stuff in special operations. But at some point, he was on a beach, you know, with a gun in his pocket because he thought he wasn't valuable anymore and couldn't go on. And, you know, but there's that there's that fire that's like, no, like, how dare you? Like, you have so much to offer, even if you don't know what that thing is yet. You know, you have to do the work. You have to suffer through this because there's always the treasure at the end. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can see why your clients like you. <laughs> now, now when we when we first met, you you told you you shared with me that you had you know, when we first had coffee, not met, but when we first had coffee, you shared to me that you had gone to Joshua Tree, and this is when it was still open, by the way, um, and uh, and you had gone and you'd taken a certain amount of time and you've gone through um, a ritual that you do every year, and. So tell us a little bit more about that as as your process to uh, get your life and everything organized. Exactly. And just to bring it back to some like energy or universal, you know, mm-hmm. um, thing. I didn't know what my icebreaker should be because I speak about so many topics, but I had just returned from Joshua Tree where people are like, why do you go out of the desert by yourself for Christmas? It sounds so crazy. And I was like, that's a great icebreaker topic and then what are the lessons from that and it was resilience so i have a really specific process where every year i go out for a few days with my dog to a cabin in the desert no tv no internet i bring my journals and my planner for the year and over a three-day period i review analyze and then plan and then commit to my goals going forward from january 1 forward and then i commit them to my to my planner so it's a really detailed process and I put this on my personal and professional Instagram because people ask me about it a video but basically the first night when I show up I write 
uh, mea culpa. I take responsibility for every mistake that I made that year or even big ones that are still haunting me from the past. Make a list of what was within my responsibility, what was outside of my control, go through all of it, do the emotional work, own it all, and then get rid of the list, just toss it in the fireplace. Like it's, now it's done. Second day, I review my journal from the last year, my planner, my goals. I take a literal count, a percentage of what I accomplished and what I didn't and why. I review and figure out what goals still make sense for me going forward or what needs to change. And then through that day, I mind map in a very visual way on these big post-its. I just plaster the cabin walls or the house walls with mind maps about everything that's important to my success going forward. And that could mean revenue goals for work. It could mean personal relationships for dating. It could mean my health goals for mental fitness and dietary goals. It could be how much time I need to spend with my family and friends versus, you know, alone. Um, my philanthropy goals for the year, who I want to work with, et cetera. And at the end of the second day, I've had 30, 40 mind maps of every possible aspect of my life and mapped out to what's important to me and what's not. And then I draft my personal affirmations for the year in a document. And then the third morning I wake up, I take everything off the walls. I commit what's most important to the journal. I now have my planner for the whole year going forward, committed in very colorful ink. I've taken the time to do it. I read my affirmations into my phone. I record an MP4 file. And then every day after my meditation for that year, I listen to my, myself telling them my, my affirmations. And then I go home. And it's incredibly uh, powerful knowing that I can take the time between Christmas and New Year's and truly relax because starting January 1, I have a weekly plan for the first 12 weeks to accomplish what is the most important first 90-day goal of my plan for my personal and professional life going forward. And that's what I do with my clients. And I actually did a couple of events last year because folks were folks who couldn't afford coaching um, really wanted to do the process. So I rented uh, space and we did a full day exercise and I basically walked them through the first part, those three days condensed, which was let's figure out what's important to you for your, from your lifetime back to three months, figure out which goals are actually important to accomplishing all the rest. And then let's figure out a 12 week plan where if you only use 30 minutes a day, what could you realistically accomplish in 12 weeks that will make a real difference going forward. And they leave that event feeling completely empowered and like seeing their life and their professional life through a totally different lens. And they go home with a plan. Now, granted, I'm not there to hold them accountable and execute because I'm, a, I'm not their coach, uh, but they at least can hold each other accountable. They form their own Facebook groups. They form like, you know, accountability buddy groups and it's wonderful. So that's what I do. It's, it sounds crazy. It looks crazy. By the time I leave it's oh, like no. in a bomber cabin, it's like, <laughs> you know, no, it's, I it's <laughs> I really like uh no I like what uh, that that was the reason why I wanted you to talk about it on 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 the show is because I really liked your approach and you know in it's it's similar in the sense of manifesting on a spirit let's say let's just say going into a uh a metaphysical world or the energy the world of energy is is that what you're doing is that you're creating and you're manifesting and i'm sure that you have a good what 90 to 100 percent results on on your uh on the process that you do uh on joshua tree at the end of the year you know it's funny uh the highest i've ever gotten was 83 um that's pretty I, good I, I David. It, but yeah it's great like the first year i crushed it it was like 83 percent 
And then the second year, as both my business changed and some of my life circumstances changed, it was in the low 70s. And last year, it was in the mid-70s. It was 76%. And part of that was I would have done better. I hit certain revenue goals and certain growth goals. Other ones I didn't because around July or August, almost three-quarters through the year, I changed my client demo that I was going after from more startup-heavy to more corporate-heavy. And they have a longer sales cycle. When they come in, it's a much bigger win financially. But you know, there were contracts that took nine months to bear fruit. So this January 1st, I went, I, I adjusted everything for that ratio uh, weighting of corporate to startups. And uh, now I'm very selective with the startups I work with. They don't just have to have raised money. They have to have the real capacity to grow into large companies. So um, it's wonderful. But yeah, you know, 70, even 72%, like that's, if you that's said three out of four goals, you, yeah, it's like building habits. Yeah, you know, most people don't build a single habit every year unless it's a bad one, but to build a good habit, you know, if I build two or three habits a year, I'm 300% above the average guy walking down the street. And it's like empowering to know that like, if I have to, even though I hated meditation when I started, like I can do it. I can make myself do it. Like I'm willing to do the work. So um, yeah, it's all about, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's just all about building systems so that, you know, based on you, if I said, you know, you need to, like, okay, you said, I want to lose weight. I want to be healthier. I want to get my resting heart rate down to some crazy number on my Fitbit. Okay, this is your exercise regimen. If I said to you, but you have to work out at 5 a.m. every morning, maybe biologically you aren't capable of having your peak performance until it's 4 in the afternoon and you've had two meals and been awake for eight hours. So it's all about finding a system that works for you. And once you do the work and fail and miss goals and then attain some, you figure out what that system is. So if you have a system and you know if you're going to form a new habit, this is the time, the place, the mindset you need to be in in order to do that every day for 12 weeks, you're probably going to be successful because now you know it's, it's built just for you. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what I like about your process as well is that it's a continual growth. You know what I mean? It's like every year you just keep growing, and I'm sure that after the 12 weeks throughout the year, you're still moving and you're still growing because what you first started at those first 12 weeks will take you into growing into other things and creating other, um, you know, habits or creating other, uh, opening yourself up to other things to come in or to like and leave things behind and open yourself up to other things. So I, I, you know, I can see how it moves throughout the year. It's great. I like the way that, that you set that up now, just to, uh, at, yeah, at, it, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying this, this is a delay. So I cut you off a bit. Um, what's really interesting to me is because I consider myself pretty emotionally aware and self-aware as a guy who's been in therapy for a decade um, is <laughs> every every year you go back and you're like, Oh my God, why would I even think that that should be a goal a year ago? It is completely not even relevant to your life. Um, and then through the year, like January right now, I'm in my first 12 weeks, but there will be things when I do my second 12 weeks, starting April 1st, that I will look back that I thought were important and relevant just four months ago that aren't anymore. And it's fascinating that if you actually track this stuff and write it down, like where was your head at? Where were you at emotionally? You know, what were you afraid of? What were you this and that? And, and your needs and your wants change, not just year over year, but they change quarter by quarter. So it's a great personal development exercise, and it's like a self-mastery, self-assessment tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to ask you, who do you, do you, 
who are you accountable to? In other words, I know you're accountable to yourself and you're really good at this, but is there someone that you go to, like a coach or mentor that you have? Sure. So I have a coach, um, and I love working with him uh, because if, if I'm a coach, I should have a coach. Somebody once said to me, well, if you have a coach, you're, you're not like the best coach you can be. And I said, would yeah. you go to a doctor that never got a checkup? Like, that's just insane. Like, you need to – everybody should be growing. So I have a coach, mm-hmm. but I also have a mastermind group, and I've been in this specific mastermind group for uh, 11 years now. And these founders know me up and down, and I'm accountable to them every month because our lives have changed. People have kids, and they move away. But they're still there every month on the first Monday night to meet and talk about what's really important personally and professionally. So I'm accountable to them because you don't want to be the one guy or gal who shows up that month that didn't do what you said you were going to do when everybody else with all their stuff going on found a way to do their stuff. Like it's embarrassing and you feel yes, like you're wasting your time. So, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, so I I, I, I'm, I'm accountable to a mastermind group that I hold in very, very high regard. We have people in there sold their companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. We've got people that have had epic failures and the common theme is that we're just all founders by nature and we're, we're dialed in and signed up for the entrepreneur life. And like, no matter what that means. So. That's great. Thank you so much, Damon. And I just have one last thing. It's like on, on your website, on the front, you know, your page, you have on there in your photo, the daily stoic journal. And that's based on the author oh, yeah. based it on, on Marcus Aurelius, who's one of my favorites, um, Marcus Aurelius journal. Now, would you call yourself a stoic? Or what is what, what would you uh, say is spirituality? <laughs> it's funny. I'm I'm really bad with labels. So I'm a massive Ayn Rand fan, but I still wouldn't call myself an objectionist, even though uh, objectivist, even though I, even though I read it twice um, and gave it to everybody, and I live by some principles. Uh, the stoic principles that I relate to most and live by are the ones that I've literally written in the very first page of my journal that I open up every day in my planner for the year, and they are these three, that you need to control your perceptions, you need to direct your actions properly, and you need to willingly accept what is outside of your control. So the thing I love about Stoicism is that there's a million things that are outside of your control. Like one of my favorite memes is a monk floating in a river, and it says, nothing is in control. Uh, So if I have the capacity as an individual and having a willful desire to change my perceptions, that's all I can do. Like, you know, Somebody can leave me. My wife can leave me. My business can fail. I can win the lottery, whatever it might be. But how I react to my perception of what that means is all that matters. And that I have to willingly be okay with, which is very hard for a tourist and an Italian guy from Jersey to accept that there are a lot of things <laughs> out of his control. So, yeah, literally, I'm a total control freak. So, um, you know, that's my favorite part about stoicism. So what that stoic uh, journal was, which was wonderful, was it was the companion piece to Ryan Holiday's first uh, Stoic book, which was, um, oh, what was it called? Um, the Daily Stoic. And it was basically single quotes every day with maybe a paragraph of how it relates to modern society and, and trials. So you got to read about, you know, Marcus Aurelius and all these guys, but in an attainable way that was digestible for me and not having to sit there and just read meditations, which I tried to probably seven times before I got through it. So it's a daily way to do it. And people loved it so much that he created this journal where every day was a quote from the original book for 365 days 
And then it was a guided exercise where he asked you very specific questions or things to think on or ponder. And then there was actually space on each page for you to write your answers. So at the end of the year, you could go back and see where your mindset was, how you were perceiving and reacting to issues going on in your life or business through a stoic filter. I I love it. It's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really, yeah, that was a really good, I checked it out and it was, I like the way that it's set up. Very much so. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. I had an, I had a, such a great time with you, Damon. I hope that you'll be able to come back on our show again. I really enjoyed having you. Um, and so I always like to leave, like, uh, with our guests, a word and, and you know, what is it for them. And um, the word that I'd like to for you to, uh, you know, for you to take in and give us uh, some information on of your information is. The word of of uh, I'll, and I'll say resilience again. So go ahead and w- what is resilience for you, and how is it applied in your life and work? Sure. Well, resilience, as I said before, for me isn't a one-off reaction to a one-off event. Um, resilience is a lifestyle, and it's a it's a it's a way to build up a personal system for responding to and surviving trauma, no matter how simple or, or extreme that might be. So you have to make a plan to better yourself and be ambitious about realistic goals for the future, but you need to also learn to cope with stress a lot like exercise. So you become stronger with practice in the gym. You become stronger emotionally when you go through stressors and figure out what is the best way for you to cope with them. So some people, you know, put their head in a bucket of ice every morning to like wake themselves up and it's uncomfortable. Other people take a cold shower. Other people sit there and meditate or, you know, do their mile run. But you have to constantly put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And one of my favorite quotes is by somebody who wrote an article about this for the Wall Street Journal. And they said, quote, I see myself as stronger and more capable than most people around me because of what I lived through. I see myself as an optimist not because I think bad things won't happen, but because I believe I can overcome any bad thing that does happen. I feel independent, confident, tested, and brave. Tested being the key word for me in there. So whatever it might be, you want to commit to an exercise regimen, a strict diet, some form of daily ritual, whatever it might be that you're uncomfortable with. If you can do it and get through it and succeed at it and thrive at it, you're going to start building resilience. So when something else comes your way unexpected and the sky falls, you're not sitting there like most people who just think everything's great. Why is the sky falling? Well, I'll tell you why. Because shocker, it's real life, and the world is chaotic, and the sky's gonna fall every three to five years. Obviously. So you need to have a, like you need to know. You know, like I, a friend of mine recently, yeah, a friend of mine recently had. This, she was like, oh, I just let everything go through me now. Like I'm transparent. Like I'm like I'm cast with a ghost. Everything goes through me, and I'm like, well, you need to address things emotionally and psychologically because. You're not a ghost. You're a real person in a real world, and you're going to have to at some point, whether or not you like it on your own terms, deal with yep. drama. So, yep. you know, so, yep. yeah, like the sky is going to fall. There's a lot of bad stuff's going to happen in life, and hopefully a lot of and good stuff happens too, but you can always – yeah, but you always count on the bad. You need to know that, like, things are going to happen out of your control. Relatives are going to die. Businesses are going to fail. All sorts of stuff. You're going to get your heart broken, like – you know, you just crawl into a hole. You got to learn how to deal with it and come out of it, and not just wander the world like a mope, but wander the world like a strong, 
person who's empowered now in a better 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 version of themselves because they lived through it and learned how to deal with it, and they're stronger than the next person because they've they've dealt with that trauma and they've been tested. So, yeah. Very much agreed. Thank you so much, man. You've got you've got some really good stuff, and I really enjoyed it. And I I like your approach. And I no wonder all your clients really like you a lot, man. Good. good so Thank I, you. I had I a wanna... great time. And... Please go ahead. No, no, I, just, I had a great time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So, everybody, this, well, I'm going to wrap this up. We went over a couple of minutes, but it's, it's been great anyways. I want to thank everyone for listening and stopping in um, at, uh, at our show and also here at uh, Spiritual Intelligence on the Lions Radio Network. And I want to say tune back in. We're here every Saturday at 9 a.m., uh, Pacific time and 12 noon Eastern time, and we'll and go ahead and send me all of those uh, requests for guests. I did get some of your uh, requests, by the way, and what we should bring on. But I definitely want to bring Damon back on, you guys, and uh, let me know how you feel about that. So, Damon, thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>